everyone, Ed Arango here from Ed's Auto Garage, wanting to give a shout out to our show sponsor, Arango Insurance Services. Arango Insurance Services is a full service insurance agency. Um, we do home, auto, commercial, and any specialty. We specialize in the automotive space. So if you are a restoration shop, an OEM shop, a componentry manufacturer, we're able to insure you it's a great time right now to have your policy reviewed, see if we can um, save you money, make sure you are properly insured, and at least evaluate your policy. See if you're in the right spot. So give us a, a shout out at Arango Insurance Services. You can reach us at our website, www.arangoins.com, or give us a call at 949 887 one two seven four enjoy the podcast we'll talk to you later hey everybody thanks for hopping on the podcast but before we get going uh let me tell you guys about an event coming up this june it is the friends of steve mcqueen car and motorcycle show june the third fourth and fifth Get Ready Motorsports Enthusiasts registration is now open for the 2022 Friends of Steve McQueen Car and Motorcycle Show. The 15th annual event will return to the Boys Republic in Chino Hills, California on the first weekend in June to benefit the private nonprofit school and treatment center for troubled teenagers. This year's theme, On Any Sunday, marks the 50th anniversary of the cult classic motorcycle documentary. It was produced by Steve McQueen and features the actor, other well-known racers, and regular adventure-seeking folks join, joining in the early 1970s explosion of various types of off-road motorcycle racing. In that spirit, the Friends of Steve McQueen Car and Motorcycle Show offers something for everyone and is a car show like no other. The popularity of the Friends of Steve McQueen car show was evident by last year's success with approximately 450 cars and motorcycles exhibited to more than 10,000 attendees. Most importantly, the 2021 show grossed $811,000 for the Boys Republic's apprenticeship program, which provides disadvantaged program graduates with paid jobs and training experience. To receive updates for the 2022 show and to register online for June 3rd through the 5th events, all held at the Boys Republic's 200-acre campus in Chino Hills, please visit Steve McQueen Carshow.com. Let's all do our part to help the school, and we'll see you there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ed's Auto Garage. This is Ed Arango coming to you live, like I always do, from uh, my garage here in Huntington Beach, California. It is um, April. And this has got to be the hottest day so far. Definitely the hottest day of the year so far. So, I mean, we are pushing 90 degrees here right now. And it's killing me because I'm in a garage. And it's not like very well insulated or anything. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. 
So, um, so a couple of things, a little housekeeping things I want to do before we get started on today's podcast. So today's podcast is going to be really interesting. We're going to be talking Ferraris and we're going to be talking car sales and, and special events and, and what have you. So, um, bear with me on that. And then, um, but before we get going, I want to just kind of remind everybody of the upcoming June 5th, uh, 2022, uh, the friends of Steve McQueen car show, uh, here at the, uh, boys Republic in Chino, California. Again, it is the premier Steve McQueen show. So all things Steve McQueen related this year's show is, as they always do every year, they kind of theme it on um, on movies um, of Steve McQueen movies. So this year's is it's the Steve McQueen's on any Sunday show at the Boys Republic here in Chino, California. So if you want to find out more about the show, visit stevemcqueencarshow.com and learn about the show. Um, if you want to bring your car and put it in the show, that would be fantastic. Just check online here at stevemcqueencarshow.com. And if you want to be a vendor or if you want to donate to the show, um, you know, anything, trinkets, giveaways for bags and what have you, by all means, Ed and, um, and uh, you know, let me know. You can reach me um, here at the at uh, edsautogarage.com at Gmail, excuse me, edautogarage at gmail.com that's what it is and you can reach me there um or just comment me here and we will uh we will we will connect on it so today's guest is uh, a gentleman by the name of william ross out of cleveland ohio william thank you so much for being on and uh william is i kind of ran into william just kind of seeing him on linkedin and i was kind of kind of uh, honed in on uh, these wonderful photographs that he, he'll post on LinkedIn. Um, a lot of these photographs are photographs of vintage racing and cars uh, throughout the years that we or I haven't normally seen in the past. So I was really kind of impressed with what, what he's kind of putting out there. And uh, come to find out that he is a... Um, a classic, I guess, William, would you say classic exotic car dealer? Yeah, it's mainly, um, yeah, I'd say vintage and collectible. Um, you know, it's more the, you know, 50s, 60s, early 70s stuff, and then getting into more modern collectible ones where the limited production and stuff like that. So thank you so much for being on. And um, why don't you kind of tell everybody a little bit about your background and how you kind of caught into this whole uh, collector car world? Well, start from the beginning. Um, I started racing motorcycles at the age of five. Um, so, and that kind of expanded into starting racing go-karts, whatnot. So I've always kind of been, you know, been in the racing aspect of it. Um, I just always been a car person. Um, had, you know, been into, cars all my life and cars I've owned, everything like that. And it's, you know, that edge is life's too short. You know, if you do what you love, you're never working a day in your life. So it's kind of that aspect of it. Um, it's just something enjoyable. I mean, there's so many great people that are in this industry. Uh, I know meeting people like yourself, you know, um, I love, you know, meeting new people and talking to people because there's so many different aspects of 
the collector car world, um, insurance like yourself, whatnot. And it's just, it's a great industry and market to be in. It's just a lot of fun and I really enjoy it. It's something that just, I've been passionate about all my life. And I've been lucky enough that I've parlayed that in to be able to support myself and my wife and my child. <laughs> Very good. That's great. Yeah. So, so um, was this something that like, was your dad also involved in, uh, in cars or uh, your, your siblings nah. or anything like that? Well, I, I want to say yes and no. I mean, it's, you know, he's a car person. Um, I know it's kind of interesting because he always bought these really kind of cool cars for my mom. You know, I remember, you know, he had a, a Mercury Capri that he bought her. And then he had bought her an 82 Corvette, um, which my older brother was lucky enough to take his driver's test in. But he had gotten nice. rid of it by the time I turned 16. Um, but, you know. He always, you know, getting me cars. I mean, my first car was, uh, you know, you beat the crap out of your first car. It's a Mazda GLC. But then I got a Fiero GT as my second car. And then after that, I had a Mustang GT. So, you know, and so he felt, helped facilitate these things. But, you know, as being a full-fledged, like, car, not that. No, he was far from it. But he, he, he loves cars. He likes cars. Um, but, no, it just kind of something came out of left field, I guess, uh, in my family-wise. And... Uh, just one of those things that kind of was born with it. And it was interesting because I always, especially starting out with motorcycles and just having that passion for motorcycles. And it just goes into cars and just, you know, everything that basically had a motor and wheels on it, you know, I'm into. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it amazing? I mean, I mean, so many guys are like that. I mean, we're, uh, you know, the same way. I mean, I mean, you can see I have bikes, I yeah. have scooters and I've had motorcycles and then we've got, you know, we've got cars and it just kind of evolves into that into that whole, you know, mindset of just enjoying, enjoying these mechanical toys in a sense, you know? So. Oh, exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's just, they're a lot of fun. And again, it goes back to, cause the people that are into that stuff, you know, they're just, they're, you know, they're a lot, they're fun people, you know, getting to know stuff and you get to you know, a lot of interesting things you can partake in, you know, events wise, just everything, you know, it's just, it's a fantastic thing to be involved in. So, so you how did you start then? How did you get into basically, uh, I don't even want to call, call it selling, but, but being involved or involved in the transaction of kind of these kind of higher valued, you know, vehicles. I mean, you're not, you're not dealing with uh, Toyota Corollas. You're dealing with you know, <laughs> a little bit higher value vehicles. How did you get yeah. to that level? Well, um, I kind of felt, I mean, like back in the early 2000s, late 90s, um, I was working with BMW. Then I moved over to Mercedes working with them. Um, but then I kind of got away from that because I just, you know, got in the mindset is I, I, I can't work for somebody. I just, I have a hard time with people telling me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I started actually kind of getting into my own because just falling from that, because people would ask me on the side to help with something. Hey, can you help me find this car? Can you, you know, help me with this? You know, you know, financing wise, what? I tell the question that. And, but then you know, so I was kind of just doing that on the side because my main more focus was is I actually started getting into more of like corporate events and putting on rallies and stuff like that and kind of like team building exercises for corporations and you know, utilizing cars and for it. You know, oh, very good. You know, rally race, that kind of stuff, because you know, get the teamwork. Hey, you got you know, timing wise, you got to maintain this speed, all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, in doing that, you know, just meeting people, they, you know, you start having conversations, and one thing leads to another, and saying, hey, can you help with this? And it just kind of evolved from there. And you know, I, 
really enjoy doing it. So I just kind of expanded the groove from there. And so I'm where I'm at now. So it just all kind of fell into place. So, I mean, so out here on the West Coast, I mean, I mean, you know, there's there's a huge car culture out here. But in your area, I mean, is there a pretty big car culture? Is it a very little specific niche? Do you guys all know each other? I mean, out here, you don't really know each other. You know a lot of people, but there's so many. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, I mean, it's, I mean, the the market's ideal, you know, kind of going back to your point is, you know, I don't really get into like the the 458s, 488 stuff like that, 328 stuff like that. The stuff I deal in is more the 50s, 60s, like early 70s. Um, You're like a 288 GTO, F40, stuff like that is what I mainly deal in. So my market is worldwide. Um, So it's not like I'm just in this one area here, but yeah, the area around here, pretty much, I want to say everyone knows everybody, but you, it's kind of like that, was that the uh, seven things from, um, what's Kevin Bacon? Oh, the seven, seven, the seven degrees of separation? Basic, yeah, <laughs> so it's like it's one of those deals around here, so it's, and it might actually only be like maybe three or four degrees separation, um, but you know, yeah, it's an extent, because obviously in the West Coast, it's, you know, just the population-wise, and the market out there is just so massive. You know, there's so many people involved in it. So here it is a lot more condensed. And what's nice with it here is, I, know, I guess you got that Midwestern mentality, that Midwestern feel to it, you know, um, a lot more, I want to say personable, I guess you could say. I don't know. Um, it's just nice because everyone's willing to help everyone out here. And I'm sure it's out, you know, out there too. It's that way. Um, but there's really here, people don't really compete with each other. Everyone out here is more to help each other and just have fun and enjoy, you know, enjoy their cars and have fun with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here, you know, I mean, here there's just so many people and so many cars and so many events. Every you could do a car thing basically every day out here. There's somebody doing something out of the seven days out of the week, at least six days. You're going to, you know, easily. Well, I I was out in, uh, you know, LA, you know, a few weeks ago uh, for some events at the Peterson and that, and, you know, fill in some time because I came out a couple of days early. I had no problem. You know, I ended up, you know, I hit the cars and coffee in Malibu. You know, I checked out Matt Fair's garage. You know, there was no issue trying to find something to do that involved cars. So I was busy with doing it. So that was, that's what's great for you guys out there is because there's always something, you know, here, yes, you have it, but not to the scale and scope that you guys are able to do it because it's just, you know, I don't want to say maybe it's the income levels and what have you, because this area is more, I guess, geared towards your uh, muscle cars and that. I mean, there is that, you know, exotic car and stuff, but it's just not the size and scale that it is out on the West Coast. It's just, I mean, we don't have that type of, I guess, monetary uh, income here that people have. So to be able to have disposable income. So it's. But again, it kind of goes back to them too. Those people know each other and they always kind of had to, you know, they set things up and arrange events or like that together. So it's, you know, it's, you make do with what you got. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When, when you were out here, did you happen or have you heard or did you happen to know anything about this, uh, this kind of low key? I don't want to call it low key anymore, but it's kind of a, a, a meetup on Friday morning that's called Good Vibe Breakfast Club. I don't know if no, you heard I, about that. So no, this is there's this is there's this, uh, this meetup that's called Goodbye Breakfast Club, and it's usually um, on it's Friday mornings, and it's up 
um, here in LA, it's called, it's up Angeles Crest Highway, which is road highway yeah. two that takes you up into the hills back up there. And then there's a, there's an old facility up there that's called Newsom Ranch. And um, every Friday, you know, and, and it's kind of an LA based event, you know, uh, drive. It's not like you, a drive, you go there. It's just the, where everybody meets up is up at the top where Newsom's ranch is. And, um, and the drive through the Canyon is like 25 miles, 22 miles. And it's a great drive because it's Canyon windy, twisty road. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. So, um, and it's one of those events that it's one of those things that, you know, it's like, who's who is up there. When you get up there, I mean, you've got, you know, um, uh, you know, you'll you'll have like Matt Ferris has been up there. I've seen him up there. I've gone once. It's just a, a long haul for me because it's like for me from Huntington Beach, it's like 70 miles just to get to the base and then another 22 to get yeah. back up. Right. And to be honest, by the time you get up there, there's no bathroom. I'm dying to pee or something like that, you know, <laughs> and you're going nuts. I'm like, okay, now what do I do? You yeah, because that's on the northern side of um, L.A. So where you're coming up from Huntington Beach at trying to come up. Well, not just their distance being 70 miles. Traffic's got to be horrendous, too. Just trying to get up on a, there. On a Friday morning to get yeah. up there, you know, you got to leave here. You know, yeah. So I, I did it one time. I said, okay, I can't do that anymore unless it's another car because. You know, I have a, an old alpha and my alpha, it, you know, just beats you up by the time you get up there. Yeah. So, so, um, but anyway, that, that's a great event. That's a great, it's a fun, it's a fun event, a fun, a fun venue to, to go, um, to go and, and, and hang out at. Um, hey, you got Sorry, a friend. Got, got my dog. Yeah. She wanted <laughs> to get my dog. He's feeling a little lonely. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so, um, so tell me a little bit about like you, you kind of, you mentioned that the cars that you, you mainly deal in at uh, Ferrari marketplace and you call it Ferrari marketplace, but don't you deal also like in Porsches and other cars and Lambos and if they come up or, or are you specifically Ferrari? Uh, my main focus, I'd say 75, 80% Ferraris. Um, I Launched and went into with the Porsche marketplace.com and I have the Lamborghini marketplace.com. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to expand on those ones also. Uh, it's, it's just, I, I know Ferraris. It's what I've always known. It's just what my passion is and with the history and the background, just what I know. Uh, but it's kind of one of those things is you have a lot of people, you know, you have those ones that, okay, they just own Ferraris, but a lot of people, majority have different makes and models. They're going to have Ferrari, a Porsche, Lamborghini, you know, all right. you know, different brands and whatnot so it's again it's kind of going back someone asking well hey you know I'm, I'm all i'm also looking for this can you help me with that or you know hey i'm selling this can you help me sell that so it's just it's one of those situations where you, i want to say you stumble into it but you know, you're going to help the person so it just made sense i say well i guess i'll just expand into that and help because it's you know keeping everything i guess you say off market is pretty much how i operate you know we don't really get out and i don't really don't post things you know any like hemmings or anything like that or going into any of those things like that or go on, bring a trailer, stuff like that. Everything's basically done through database that I have and people in contacts that I know in the industry that also kind of in the same position I am or operate the same way. Because individuals that I start getting up into, I guess, can afford those types of cars. This day and age, get really, really big into, you know, keeping themselves anonymous and keeping their private stuff private. Sure. Um, and, and the other aspect of it too is, 
you know, once you put a car out there for sale at X price, you're okay. You're almost setting the market price for what that car is. Now that car could have a massive history to it where it's got, you know, celebrity ownership, whatnot. It could have all these factors on it that really could increase the value. You know, so it's like you want to maximize the sale for the, for the seller um, because, because of that fact is because look, there's all this history behind it that adds value to it. Um, and so it just, it helps create more value for the car also. So, and it says keep the, keep the, you know, current owner, you know, their anonymity, you know, there and, but just getting the best, you know, highest and best price for them for it. Um, it's just the way things are going now, just especially the way cars are getting priced now too. It's just oh. getting crazy. Was, oh yeah. You know, and I, I assume that you're dealing with, uh, with attorneys and accountants of these, of these, uh, owners at times as well uh oh. in the negotiations oh yeah it's um you know it's i don't want to say it's not rare but normally in the beginning you know unless you know I, ones that i've had a relationship with for many many years i'll deal directly with that individual mm -hmm. but a lot of the times it's someone that i've only dealt with once or twice or someone is new it will be a representative i.e either it's a lawyer their person that handles all their cars what have you handler <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. So, it, and just and it's the way it is, which is fine because you know they're the ones that are actually dealing with the vehicles day in day out. So they they have the history, the knowledge, what's been done to the car, you know, all the information I need to start going out and marketing that car to potential uh, potential new owners. Um, so it, it just helps out immensely because you know you're going to have owners that are big time car people that just know their cars and their collection inside out. But you have a lot of these guys that you know they know what the car is, they have some background to it and history, but to really know what you need to know to sell that car, you're going to have to deal with the person that works on them, deals with them day in, day out. So have you ever had situation? Well, I'll ask a couple of questions. Um, um, I'm assuming that, that without you saying any owner's names, we don't need to have owner's names or anything like that. But, but I'm assuming that you have repeat customers. The same guy may come back to you. Hey, I, I bought this car from, from you or, or I bought, I want to buy this car. Then a couple years later, he wants you to sell it and find him another car. And then, so oh, I'm yeah. assuming that happens a lot. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you ever had a situation where you find somebody, a car, or you happen to stumble about somebody that is trying to sell a car and they don't really know or have a good grasp on the pedigree of a particular car. And you're kind of like, Oh shit this guy doesn't really realize this or realize that about this car or something like that. I mean, thinking that he thinks it's worth 200 grand. It's worth 2 million. Yeah. Well, not, I mean, maybe not so crazy, but, but you know I mean? But maybe he didn't realize that this car was, you know, maybe he, you know, it's, he thought it was one of one of 4,000 and it's really come down to like one of 400 or something like that. Oh yeah. One no, of it happens quite a bit, you know, and, um, you know, again, it's just, you know, knowing your vehicles and what you have, but yeah, no, that happens quite often. And, you know, what's really cool. And I'm sure you've been starting to, you know, get into it and see it with, you know, the NFTs and that stuff in the blockchain. Uh, there's, that's really going to help in regards to, especially collected cars, you know, 50s, 60s, older ones or something that's special, unique, you know, not only having the history of the vehicle, but, you know, manufacturing history, you know, if it's one of X and, you know, maintenance history, anything that's been done restoration wise, but then also, you know, what events it's been in, you know, because you have something that's competed at Goodwood and stuff like that, you know, the Mill Amelia, anything like that. And you have 
documentation, but also video of it, participate that, you know, that really helps too. And so that's going to help clarify that for a lot of these owners, especially the younger ones that are getting it. Cause I mean, you, you have, you know, individuals in their twenties and thirties, you know, that can afford these cars now because um, of, you know, internet-based companies, you know, crypto, what have yeah. you. They made a TikTok so, video and made them rich. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and they just, they like the car, they know it, but they just really don't know what they have. Right. You know, and that's where that stuff's going to help with the blockchain and see how that, but yeah, no, it, it happens quite often. Uh, and more, more recently it's happening more and more just because of that fact is you have someone that, you know, just became, I'd say overnight became a millionaire, but basically in three months they were able to afford, you know, uh, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars F, you know, SF ninety Stradale, and you know, go out and have it, but they have no clue really what it is, you know, because especially in Ferraris, I mean Porsches too, but you know, like Ferraris, like you know, it's a lot of times you start with your base car, but really gives value to a lot of these cars is what package wise and what you're putting onto it, you know, and special editions and stuff like that, you know, that really add value to these cars, and some of these people just don't realize. And I can imagine that Ferraris from the 50s and 60s, you know, um, the 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 amount of those cars were that were being built was very low in comparison to, you know, a volume of the cars was super low. And I would assume that the majority of the cars that were were built during that era were probably I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong. But I mean, we're probably starting off maybe to be a race car or an, an endurance car, and then they kind of, they kind of have them to be road cars later. Is that how it worked, or how did that whole? I don't, I don't understand that whole process of, of, of Ferrari building the race cars, and then how did they become road cars, and when did that happen? Well, Enzo's whole thing was, you know, he started out you with know, Alpha Romeo. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, it started with the screw, you know, his team and that stuff. And then, you know, when he got kind of moved along and he had to have that little period, but, you know, he was always the racer at heart and that's what he wanted to build the race cars. But, you know, came to realizations, Hey, I got to be able to fund this. So that's when he started building the road cars uh, and the privateers are people that would buy the road cars. Well, Hey, he races those cars that he builds. It's got the same engine in it. Why can't I race this? So they just started taking the road going cars and started racing them. So oh. there really wasn't. So they were like saying, okay, this is specially built to go racing. I mean, they did have their special cars go racing, but um, almost unless it was an open wheel F1, F2 car, something along those lines, or, you know, you know, prototypes, you know, they were taking them racing because, Hey, you had the same, you know, mechanicals to it. So I'm going to go race it, but I could drive it to the track, race it and drive it home. Yeah, you know, so it just kind of escalated from there. Is that where like the whole that whole homologation thing kind of came into play? Is that was that part of that? Well, that's how with the FIA, especially at Lamont, you know, trying to keep you know having these you know basically building the cars specifically for that is okay. You got to have X amount of cars for that class. Um, you know, normally a lot of times it was like usually it's around a hundred. Um, you know, the, the big story like with the two hundred and fifty GTO. Now, that was the one, too. They kind of circumvented the rules because they just said it was a continuation of the two, uh, 250 SWB and just with a different body shape to it, which basically, which is a complete farce because it was a whole new car, basically. Um, you know, the LM, the LM, 
No, the LM was the basically a straight up race car. Cause oh, you know, okay. they, they have, they had all their different categories for this, you know, and you know, if you look at it now, you got your top class, the one that's going to basically win the overall, but then you got your GT categories and heavy. So the two video GTO and the GT category, you know, but yeah, for the homologation for those cars is, yeah, you have to have built X amount road going cars to be able to meet the requirements. So, and that's how a lot of those you know, came about too. And, and you talk talking low production numbers. If you only need to build a hundred of them or be it 50 of them, they would build exactly what they needed quantity wise to meet that requirement. And that's it. So, you know, you got a car that's, you know, such a low volume, low production number. That's very special. Man, you got something that's worth some money, you know, especially if it's got a race history to it. Like I have a 1955 Europa right now that um, I have available that, you know, it was owned by Oliver Gendibien, you know, and he's a, you know, massive in the Ferrari lore as a race, you know, F1, everything like that. Um, you know, racing at Le Mans, you know, racing, you know, winning all over the place. He was a phenomenal racer. Was he and, here in the States? No, he was off uh, over at not Austria. It's, um, not French. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but this is, you know, obviously this is back in the fifties and sixties. Oh, okay. And, and again, that, and that kind of goes back to like with the black JMC stuff. You know, okay, you having that history with the car, that just adds the value to it. But you know, that Europa, there was only thirty, was it thirty um, or 20, 30, 32 built? But this one is the of the first six built, they had a different grill to it. So the whole front, you know, the front end, it's got a you know, larger egg crate opening, as they would say. So right there, you got something that's even more unique and more rare because you only got six of them ever built. You know, so it's, it gets really get down, you know, you really start getting into it in regards to ownership and that kind of stuff in regards to what adds value to the car. So it's, I mean, are, are they all the same? No, because they're all hand built and- Right. It's, it's, again, you know, it's, each car has got its own history and unique, you know, uniqueness to it that has the value to it. And when you, when you're, you're acting, you're acting primarily like a, a broker, I assume, between the two parties, either the, the seller and the buyer, right? I mean, is that? Yeah, basically. basically you... yeah. yeah, pretty much. Basically, that's what boils down to. I, I, you know, getting to the dealer aspect of it and, you know, bringing in inventory and doing that kind of stuff is, I, I, I kind of made an attempt at going around and I just, it's too much of a headache. Um, you know, and going that road, it's, I just, it's not something that I was comfortable doing. I just didn't like it. And so I just, I like doing it how it is now and how I have it set up because it's just, it's a lot more personable. And especially when you're dealing with a seller, you know, you're trying to maximize with it, you know, because if you're a dealer and you're trying to buy this car from someone to bring it to inventory, you're trying to get it as cheap as possible and turn around and try and sell for as much as possible. I never liked doing that. I always wanted to get the seller the most amount of money for them and just, hey, you know, I get something on the back end of it, either from the seller or from the buyer, or from both. It's just all, it's all how we work it out. And interesting enough, a lot of the times the seller and the buyer know each other somehow, some way. A lot of the times they've oh, caught wow. whatnot. So, I mean, so there's that relationship there too. So it's, yeah, I, I, I don't like, you know, what do they say is um, used car dealers are the second behind uh, lawyers <laughs> as, <laughs> as being the ones that, are, you know, at least like people or something like that. So it's, um, I avoided going that thing. It just, I, I wasn't comfortable with it. I just didn't like it. So, um, so do you ever, uh, 
do you ever partake or get in, involved with um, some of the auctions that we see on TV, like the RM auctions or or the Sotheby auctions or or Meekum, any of that kind of I, stuff? In what manner? Like, I mean, I go to them to just kind of see what's going on in the marketplace. But I just, I, to me, if you're an owner of a car and you take your car to auction like that, you know, especially if you're a buyer and you got to pay a 20 to 25% premium, you know, I just, I don't just don't see the justification for it. I, I just don't see what you're getting. I mean, yeah. You have a larger audience meeting, but I, I just think it's, they're spending an exorbitant amount of money that they don't need to. Um, you know, it just, and that's why you see all these internet auction sites, bring a trailer, you know, marqueed, um, got what cars and bids with, you know, cars um, and bids, new one. Yeah. And coming up and saying, Hey, we're only cap, you know, our things 5%, but we're capping to get five grand is the most thing. So if you got a $2 million car, you're only going to have to spend five grand as your fee. That's fantastic. So that's why those things are becoming so much more popular as compared to going to bear jacks and arms, stuff like that is, you know, if you got, you know, half a million, million dollar car and you got to spend 15, 20% on top of what you're, you're buying. I mean, that's a significant amount of money on top of what you're you know, doing. And it just, I just, to me, I just don't see the value to something. I mean, some people do um, just because, Hey, you got this larger audience and it's targeting people that can afford buy these cars. But I just think you're shortchanging yourself because that's money you can be putting in your pocket as an owner. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it seems like, I mean, for, you know, people that are buying cars, not necessarily in, in, in that level that you're selling cars or, you know, those, that, that level of Ferrari per se, but, uh, but it, it seems like, like a little bit more of, uh, of the more uh, uh, basic, I shouldn't say basic um, general sports cars that, that are that you see like on bring a trailer for example it seems like bring a trailer is kind of controlling a little bit of the pricing in in where a certain cars are, are, are you know are being set you know be it you know 911s or even you know lesser lesser popular cars maybe like a like a i don't know a 944 turbo or something like that you know, it seems like they're kind of they're kind of setting the prices on 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 how these cars, I mean, people are buying them at high dollars on the on these sites. Well, well, and that's the thing, because if you look at what some of the things have gone for, it's obscene. And it's funny. <laughs> I know, was it about a month ago? Uh, what was it? A, a 2002 or three or whatever, you know, Ford Excursion. They had, you know, 20,000 miles of that it went for like one hundred and twenty grand. As soon as I saw what that thing sold for, I'm like, okay, you're going to see a massive flood of Ford excursions on the site. Sure enough, in the following couple of weeks, you're going to see them left right, you know, with 120,000 miles of this net, but still going for a ridiculous money. And you would see what some of these things are selling for. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like, is this person sitting there and like halfway into a fifth of gin or vodka or something? And, you know, it's midnight and they're like, I'm buying this car. You know, it just it's setting unrealistic prices and expectations for people that also own that model because all of a sudden they feel that their car is worth that. And then they're going to go back to, well, it's sold for this. I'm bringing trailers. Like, well, that you, that's an anonymous, anonymous. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It can't get that word out. Right. And 
and doing it. So it's like you really got to do your research. You know, you go to Sports Car Market, you know, place, you know, magazine. You know, that, yeah, those guys Martin. Me. Yeah, yeah, they got a fabulous that platinum database is phenomenal for research. That and Haggerty's got a phenomenal thing on their website too to research cards values and what have you in place. And that's giving you realistic numbers. You know, trying to use bring a trailer's valuation and what something's gone for. I just that's just crazy what those things. I mean, it's obscene. I mean, in all honesty, it's. And you see it too, because someone will sell for you know exorbitant amount of money, and all over the internet the next day. That's all they're talking about. How in the hell did that thing sell for that? And you know, it's just it's crazy. And God bless the seller. Hey man, they made a ton of money and doubled their money and whatnot for it. But it's like, what's the buyer thinking? You know, it's will he even ever break even on the car? I mean, you know, the adage is you never go into buying a car thinking you're going to make money on it when you turn around and sell it. But still, you want to have some expectation that. You're not going to kill yourself on it and lose a ton of money, but I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's just getting out of hand in all honesty. So I know that you deal primarily, I mean, in the, in the older, on the older Ferraris, but um, you know, 50s, 60s uh, Ferraris, but, but I'm sure you have a little bit of a pulse on, on, on what's going on in that space in the Ferrari market space. Um, you know, you know, let's, let's oh, face yeah, it. No, to- oh, completely. No, trust me. I, the new stuff's phenomenal. I mean, I, just, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to finagle. Uh, hopefully in about three weeks, I'm going to get to go drive that, um, two ninety six, the new one. Um, and you know, give that thing a spin, but yeah, no, I mean, the new stuff's great. I mean, the technology, everything, uh, those things are phenomenal, you know, just, and not just with Ferrari though, with everything, you know, especially oh, yeah. with how things are transitioning into the hybrid, you know, hybrids and then you'll know, be fully electric. Um, you know, there's such a dramatic change in what's going on in the, in the world today of cars. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine where we're going to be at in 10 years to see how these cars are going to be. Um, yeah. it's just, it's interesting to see what's happening, you know, and the other aspect that I think is really cool though. Now I know people are on, you know, one side or the other, or I don't know so much in the middle, but taking like Everati taking the old, you know, 911s, electrifying them, you know, um, that's really starting to take off in regards to, you know, doing, I was watching a YouTube one, these guys are doing testerosis, pulling the V12s out of them and sticking them in. And, you know, some of the, some of those companies are doing it right where, hey, you know, they pull the motor, they put the electrical stuff in, but it's an easy swap to go back and forth. So they're not really devaluing the car to that extent where, well, you can never go back to gas power internal combustion engine. In. So, you know, Everati does that, you know, so it's great, but that's really interesting to me too, because it's, you know, meeting requirements, you know, especially if like you live like London, New York City's probably going to head that way. LA's probably going to head that way, you know, head that way in some time in the future too, in regards to if you're driving into X, you know, you, you know, either you're going to pay a tax, a fee or something, depending on what your car is, or you just can't bring it in at all. Yeah. London, I think has something like that going on. Yeah. So it's good. It's really interesting to see where they're taking these things. And, you know, it extends the life of those cars too. And it might actually give, make someone use it more if it's electrified than some of it's in, you know, an internal combustion engine. So things are changing, you know, every day and it's really cool stuff going on. And, you know, it's just, it's leaps and bounds. It's not a slow crawl. I mean, it's really every day. It's just, it's something different and it's really cool to see what's going on. So I know that, that, um, 
let me ask you this. If, if, I mean, you kind of have an idea of the, of the whole Ferrari world, pretty, pretty dialed in. If you, um, if somebody wanted to break into buying their first collector, or actually their first Ferrari, reasonably priced Ferrari. Um, I mean, I know back in the day, the, the Dino, the 206 or the 246 or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they were kind of poo-pooed, you know, yeah. <laughs> back in the day they were poo-pooed and look at them now. Now they're a yeah. half a million dollar car, if not more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, same things with 308s and 328s, you know, you 10 think, years ago, you're getting them, you know, 30, 40 grand all day long. And I had a buddy, yeah, I had a buddy that bought one 15 years ago for, uh, for like 12,000 bucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's and crazy. So, I mean, how about, what do you think? Do you think the Mondial will get there as a collector? I mean, it's got no. the Ferrari name to it. Well, you know, that's, I, I honestly know. <laughs> And, and and I any to the uh, and I'm, I don't want to offend any female watchers, viewers, listeners, whatnot. But that's always been you know put out there saying that's uh, the secretary's car. It's a woman's you know Ferrari, you know, and which it's got the V8. It's got to have a sore part. I mean, you could have a lot of fun with it. You know, it's you know be a great car to you know punch around on a Sunday, go get ice cream with the family. You know, it's still a Ferrari. You know, yeah. Would I would buy one? Sure, why not? If I get a right price on it, I have some fun with it. What the heck? Um, but you know, being a collector where you know you buy it and five years down the road it's gone up, you know, value 20, 30 percent. It's just not gonna happen. Um, but like other cars like the 308 to 320s, because you know, those are the cars like you know, I'm gonna be 52 in like two weeks. Um, and a lot of guys that you are know, starting to buy them now, those are the cars they knew when they were as a young. kid, yeah, like exactly. me, like me, yeah, exactly. Magno PI, you know, watching right, him, you know, buy it and stuff like that. You see it, so those are the cars I love that lusting after. So, and hey, you can afford it, so you start getting them. Um, you know, but it's just bring a trailer, it's really uh, going back to them, you know, just jacking the prices up. Where 10 15 years ago, someone that wanted, hey, I'm gonna, you know, buy my first Ferrari and I'm just gonna have fun with it, you know, buy an old 308, yeah, I can, you know, do a little work. I mean, because they're not that complicated to work on, you know. Yeah. It, it's just, it's a motor. It's an engine. It's a V8. What, you know, it's, you know, it doesn't have all the computer shit on it or anything like that. Timing belt needs to be done. And yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's something you can do, but now just what the cost and price is just, you're just for entry is just, it's get taking a lot of people out and not be able to enjoy it or ever experience the ownership of it and have fun with it. What's, what's your, what's your thought on, on even the older 308, the GT4? Oh, that's, I mean, again, you know, I know people, it's, it's a small little V8 Ferrari. And, yeah. and I mean, it doesn't have gobs of horsepower. I think it's only like um, 290 or, I mean, it's not anything crazy, but I mean, sure. it's a small car and it goes back to that power to weight ratio. It's like, you know, Colin Chapman's thing, you know, hey, add lightness. You know, if you have something that doesn't weigh much, when you got a motor, I mean, it's going to go, um, you know. I'm going to have a game. Look, if that's something you want to get into, buy it, have fun with it. You know, don't listen to what other people say. It's your car. You know, not everyone's going to appreciate it, but you're going to have people that do appreciate it. I mean, to me, I'd appreciate it. Go, Hey, you're going to have fun with it. You know, it's getting you in there and you're getting the experience. You're getting that ownership of it and trying it out. And then you have that and Hey, God willing, 
you sell that, you move up, you move up, you move up, you know, and you just keep going, kind of upgrading your car. You know, it's, it's just a great experience and meeting the people that are in it, you know, you, you know, join the Ferrari owners club and, you know, you have all the events you go there. Trust me, they're not going to shun you just because you show up in a 76, you know, GT4. No, they're going to you know, welcome you with open arms. And it's just being part of that group, you know, it gets you in. And I, I don't look at, I think they're great cars. I mean, that's just me. Do you see any, do you see any particular, I mean, if, as you look at all, uh, look at all the Ferraris, you kind of have your hands, you know, dipped in. Do you see any, any of them that you kind of go, man, this one is, this one's, this one is silent and this one's going to take off soon in value or, or are they all kind of hovering at the same amount and they're all kind of going up in value and they drop and they go up in value all evenly type. Or is there one that kind of takes off? Well, I mean, F40, I, I get it. Yeah. I mean, specific model. No, but if you want something that's going to do it, it's a gated six speed manual. I mean, right there, so you, you go and start that. I mean, like right now, um, like looking at uh, a 360 manual compared to the F1 transmission, you're almost spending a hundred grand more for that six speed, you know, and you know, five, six years ago, it was, you're probably paying maybe 20, 30 grand extra. But I mean, just now because they're getting so far removed from having manual transmissions, it's just becoming more unique and rare. Any Ferrari that's got a gated six speed. I mean, that just goes up in value. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, I mean, not the, toot my horn rubber but i've been looking at a 360 acquire and you look at you know uh about 20 to thirty thousand miles on it belt service everything's done f1 transmission you're under 100 grand gated six speed you're at about 170 160 wow. and that's it you know, you know so and obviously you want services or anything like that but i mean it's just it's going up you know and you go to a 550 you know going something like that with you know front engine one same thing you know it's going into it but if you want to get something that's going to hold its value and go in value, you can afford it. Get a gated six speed. And plus, the other fact is you got, don't have to worry about anyone stealing it because any of these car thieves these days don't know how to drive a manual. <laughs> true. True. Yeah. True. Hey, you know, so, um, tell us a little bit about this event coming up here next uh, next year, the uh, the Rock and Reb event. Kind of, kind of bring us up to speed on that. What's going on in the Cleveland area with that? Well, you know, about a year ago, you know, I was at um, the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, and I, I go to Amelia Island, tell each other these every year, and it always kind of back. It's like you know, you put it on, say, put on one of those types of events. I mean, scale scope of one of those, but it's like you know, in the Cleveland area, and you take a, a pin, put it in the Cleveland area, and you go, you know, three hundred miles around. Really, the big thing is the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, and other than that, you really don't have much. I mean. I know Haggerty now is doing the one they're going to have in downtown Detroit next year. So it's starting to expand, but other than that, you really don't have much. And I was just, honestly, I was, it was the middle of summer. I was out in my front yard. It kind of all of a sudden just one of those moments you have that, you know, epiphany, epiphany and just bam. It's like, God, we should have it with at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Cause if you do a Google, if you've never been to Cleveland, if you do an aerial shot of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you see it's right on the lakefront, you yep. got the Great Lakes Science Center for it. You have all this area. The Brown Stadium's there. You know, you know, all this area to utilize. It's it's perfect for an event. And I just made a couple phone calls to call the city, called a couple other things, called the Rock Call. Hey, what are you guys' thoughts? Everyone's like, oh, that, love the idea. It's great. You know, let's, you know, yeah, we'd be on board. So it just kind of snowballed from there. And 
I, I'm also a wish grantor with Make-A-Wish, and I also volunteer for one of the entities that says is helping support, because basically the main goal is to raise money for Make-A-Wish, the Cleveland Clinic Pediatric Oncology Department, and then Island Safe Harbor Animal Sanctuary. So I'm with, I, I work with Make-A-Wish, and I also volunteer at the Animal Sanctuary. So that's kind of how they kind of, you know, let's raise money for them. It's for, you know, for a good cause. And it just everything fell into place, and it just made sense. And it's kind of one of those things, and as I tell people, I, I, it makes it sound like I'm being egotistical, and I hate that because it's not like I'm not saying like I'm some brilliant guy. Hey, I came up with this awesome idea, you know. It just it made sense, and everyone talked to, like, why hasn't this been done sooner? It just made sense. Yeah. And you know, especially for downtown Cleveland, end of July, there's really not much going on. The weather's fantastic. Uh, you know, it just it just made sense, and for what city of Cleveland trying to do with promoting itself, especially they call it the North coast Harbor area district is what the whole area is and trying to promote it more and expand it more. It just fit in with what the city's trying to promote also. So it just all kind of fell into place and it's just going to be a fun, phenomenal event. As I tell people, it's a concourse level event, just not as stuffy because it's basically the theme is how cars and music influence one another. We're going to have a concert Saturday evening in front of the Rock Hall because they have a, in the summer, they set up a stage. So we're going to have a concert out front there. It's free to the public, you know, because we really can't close off anything and charge tickets. So it's a free event for people to come down. So we're going to have events inside the event to raise money and that we have a 1972 Corvette we're going to be raffling off. That's for the uh, Animal Sanctuary. Uh, we're going to be doing stuff because the Browns stands right next door and the Haslam's who own the Browns are involved in this also. Uh, Sunday morning, we're doing a Cars and Coffee. Haggerty's coming in to sponsor that. Uh, we're trying to get an OEM in because on the backside, there's a huge parking lot. We're going to try and do some sort of arrive and drive type thing. Um, Nelson Ledges Road Course, which has been here forever out on the east side of Cleveland. We're getting them involved in trying to do something, you know, just autocross by something. So, we have a lot of these cool things going on within the event itself. Then not to mention, we're also getting this raise of sponsorship where you can get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or the Science Center that weekend for free. So you get to go into the you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and check out all the cool stuff they got going on there. So it's just, it's just going to be a fantastic weekend, a lot of fun stuff to do. So it's going to be real exciting. So it'll be a weekend event. So people can come down if they're from out of the area, stay and probably you probably have a list of hotels and stuff in the area where they can stay. Um, and, yeah. uh, and then, and then there, there's probably, uh, an entry fee to bring and display your car. And that money probably is going to be going to some of the charity events, the charity, you should say. Yeah. Correct. And well, and obviously, you know, you go to some of these arcades, they have motorcycles, but you know, sure. we're also, we're also going to have, we have motorcycles, we're also going to have boats. So I know like keels and wheels down in Texas, they do a thing, but there's a marina that's right behind the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. Look at the thing. It's a whole like circular thing. There's, you know, the marina's there. There's this cool drawbridge that goes over to the park that's right on the water where it can have. So it's like a big loop circle that you can do to check out everything. So we're going to have all different things in each spot, you know, with the science center kind of going for where cars are going. We're going to try and get like Lucid, Rivian, Tesla, one of those or a few of them involved and where the car is headed, you know, uh, self-driving cars, but just with electrification of cars, you know, we're going to have that kind of display there. Um, but also we got the Crawford involved, you know, they have fabulous vehicles they're going to bring in, but they also have planes. 
and Burke Lakefront Airport's right there too. So we're going to bring in some uh, air, old airplane engines, fire those things up. You know, so it's just going to be a lot of unique things. So yeah, it's going to be, it starts Friday evening. We're going to do a, um, I want to say black tie, but it's going to be a, a, a dinner. formal, formal yeah. dinner, silent auction. Um, original plans was going to be at the Rock Hall. Rock Hall's doing a nice, big, huge expansion, which starts this year. So we're going to actually have it in the Brown Stadium. Uh, they got a fabulous facility utilized there. So we're going to have that dinner Friday evening, kick things off. And then obviously Saturday rolling, start having those events going on. We have the concert going on Saturday evening. Uh, the Cars and Coffee event, you know, from about 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Sunday morning. Um, we're going to try and do also, as presents with the Cleveland Clinic's uh, Pediatric Oncology Department, also being one of the things we're trying to support. Um, they do these teddy bear runs, these motorcycle uh, groups. They get, God, they get hundreds of guys. And what they do is they start at a point and they drive to the uh, hospital donate teddy bears or donate whatever to all the kids that are going through one of the worst times in their lives mm. and do that. So we're going to try and do something where like around 10, 11 Sunday morning, they all take off from a certain point from the stadium or something and take the teddy bears to the stadium, you know, then judge. So we still have a lot more time to get a lot more stuff put together for it, but that's kind of what the plan is. And so anyone out there wants to, Hey, let's help sponsor whatnot. Reach out to me, go to rock and It's like rock and roll, but rock and revs um check it out you know you can sign up don't hold it against me the website that up now is something i did i'm not a web designer i got someone working on a more permanent one um i'm one of those people i i know my limitations but you know check out the website it kind of gives a little more insight and gives you an overview and shows you where it's going to be at in the whole nine yards good so so like you said it is rock rock r-o-c-k the letter n and r-e-v.com no R-E-V-R-E-V-S-Cleveland.com. Oh, Cleveland.com. Okay. Now, if, you go to, if you just go to rockandrevs.com, it'll take you to the site. So you can you can go either way. So okay. it'll get you there too. So yeah, it's on there. Because, I mean, honestly, I mean, my thought is, big thoughts is that we could do these in other cities like down in Memphis. You know, cities that have a very musically oriented yeah. thing, stuff like that. So you can do them in other areas, but. Right now we're just focused on Cleveland because the rock halls there. Yeah, think so, about it. You could do you can do Austin during F1 week or something like that. Who knows, yeah, right? You exactly. Know, so. so it can spread around because I mean, and everyone knows, I mean, you look at like the Beach Boys and that stuff. I mean, you know, a lot of musicians that are into cars big time. Look at Brian Johnson, you know, he's racing, you know, the 24 hours of Daytona. He's a massive car. Yeah. Look at Sam Hagar, you know, he, he's a big car, he's a huge Ferrari guy. Um, right, you know, right. It had those shows on Access TV and that stuff, where you know, doing that stuff where it's music and cars related. So it just goes hand in hand. Uh, it's kind of one of those things. And kind of going back, like I said, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but it said it just made sense to do it. So it's, it's just going to be a lot of fun. No, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I think, I mean, I think it sounds like you guys are onto something. And I know that little, that not that little area, that area there of Cleveland, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So it is ideal for. For what you guys are uh, are planning, so yeah, good for you. That's great, man. Yeah. That's well, that would like, be a good thing. Everything it says right on the lakefront. I mean, they said and it's the last weekend in July, July twenty eighth through thirtieth, twenty twenty three is the inaugural event. You know, mark it on your calendars, put it on there. Say go to the website, sign up for it. You know, the uh, get on the email uh, blast list, and uh, we'll keep you up to date on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll have and I'll put the I'll put the website in case somebody misses it. I'll put it in the show notes so they can kind of grab it grab it from there. Okay. Well, um, tell, 
tell people or let us know if they want to reach you, William, to talk about maybe my next Ferrari purchase or my, or I need you to hunt me down a 250 LM. Um, All these numbers go, it's the Ferrari marketplace.com. And then if you want to just email me directly, it's just William at the Ferrari marketplace.com. You know, it's the main thing is, you know, if someone's, you know, if you're buying your first one or your 10th one, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, the first question to ask yourself, what are my intentions? What do I want to do with this car? You know, is it just something you're going to go out on Sundays and putz around? Or are you going to go do, you know, rally events? You know, you want to do the cars and car. I mean, what's your main goal and what you want to do with this car is the biggest question you have to ask yourself. You know, it's, it's just going to be you, you and your wife. Are you going to, or do you need to have more space? Do you need to carry luggage? You know, it's just kind of asking those questions. And then you start narrowing it down, you know, to what you want to have, you know? Yeah. Like I said before, the gated six speeds, you know, are becoming more and more valuable, but a lot of people, I want to say a lot, but some people just, especially if you're in traffic, the F1 transmission, auto, you know, when you put it in automatic, are fantastic. So if you're going to be doing some, you know, long distance driving, whatnot, I mean, you just got to look at what you're doing and yeah. you know, reach out to me if you got questions. Like I said, I'm more than happy to help anyone. And even if it's something that, you know, I'm not involved in, you know, somehow someone help, but if I can steer you in the right direction and answer any question you have, I'm more than happy to help someone, you know, get themselves into this, you know, get into the Ferrari family. I guess you'd right. Say. Yeah. So, and that's a, that's a good point is to help people get into the Ferrari family. So if you're, if you're in, in the market or thinking or sniffing around possibly uh, about, about getting involved in, in, in with a Ferrari and you don't have to be in the Cleveland area, you can be anywhere, you know, you can reach out to William and William will be able to kind of steer you in the right direction and give you guidance. And like in many cases, you know, you know, William, William's the kind of guy that what he does is the repeat business. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not one and done. I mean, he wants to keep you in the fold so that you come back for when you, you get in, you know, in two months when you're burnt out of that Ferrari, you want to get another one, I guess, <laughs> two months, but you know, if you, you know, after, after you've had one for a while and you want to move on. And again, it could be anybody that's looking, if you want to buy a Ferrari that you're going to be putting in a plastic inflatable bubble in your garage and just looking at it and never driving it. Or if you're going to be a guy that wants to take it out and you're, you don't care if you get road chip little dents on the hood and things like that, because you're going to drive it and enjoy it and use the car for what it's meant to be. I mean, you know, cars are meant to be driven. Cars are meant to be driven. That's how I feel too. I mean, yeah. you know, it's funny because you get people that are like, "Oh no, I spent so much money on this paint job, I can't take the car out." Well, yeah, you know. well, that's what ceramic coating or PPF for. Get the, you know, <laughs> there's ways around it, but the car is made to be driven. That's what's for. It's it's a it's a car. It's a beautiful car. I mean, it's just, but they're made to be driven. They're made to be enjoyed. I mean, yeah. you know, park it in your garage, and yeah, it's nice of you middle of the night right before you go to bed peek your head and go oh wow okay i own it that's awesome but you, know, you want to go out and drive the thing <laughs> yeah huh? exactly no i get it i totally get it uh, well anyway hey thanks so much man for being on i appreciate it um anything you want to share anything any you know last comments you have for for folks out there yeah you need to straighten up your garage man that thing's cluttered <laughs> i have i have a two-car garage <laughs> I've got so much crap in here, but uh, <laughs> I didn't have two cars in here. My my son's car is the blue one, and and you know with COVID, everybody you know working from home. My wife works from home. My 
older son works from home. And, and of course, you know, the next resort, you know, the next level for me would have been to be on the dinner table and work. Right. Yeah. But so I got, Dan, I got Dan booted out to the garage. <laughs> yeah. So hence Ed's out of garage started in the garage here. So. Yeah. No, I, I get that. So, you know, it's, um, when everything was going on, my wife was working from home. It was kind of a little tricky for me because I got, I got kicked out of my area because she kind of needed it. And so it's like, I'm exactly. talking to people walking around my house trying to find a spot doing, you know, my daughter's in her thing, trying to school work and everything like that. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> dad's the one that gets the short and says, Hey, you go figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, anyway, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for hopping on and uh, we'll make sure we get uh, all your information out on the show notes. So everybody just stay tuned for the show notes and, and yeah. And uh, you know, if you're a Ferrari looking for Ferrari, William's your guy. Thanks. Yeah. man. See you guys. All right. <laughs> What's the dog's name? No, this is Dasher. He's Dasher. Uh, All right. He came, he came from Island, Island Safe Harbor Animal Sanctuary. He's a rescue. He's a rescue. Very cool. Yeah. Yep. Very good. See you, Dasher. All right. See you, William. Thanks, man. <laughs>